Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berenday, and today our guest is Janae Paylet. I'm very excited for this conversation with her today. We are going to be talking about reclaiming desire and healing our relationship to sex. So anyone who's had maybe or is having a little bit of a challenging relationship to your sexuality or your sex life, this is going to be a really great conversation for you to tune into today. Let me tell you a little bit about Janae before we dive in. Janae Paylet is the best-selling author of Living an Orgasmic Life, Heal Yourself and Awaken Your Pleasure. Janae is a former New York City healthcare lawyer who lived in a sexless marriage for over two decades. After experiencing her own sexual healing and awakening in 2011, she transitioned her career into a full-time sex and intimacy educator and coach and trauma practitioner. Janae believes that pleasure is our birthright, and she is passionate about helping individuals find their way back into their bodies, their desires, and their pleasure. Over the past decade, she has helped rescue hundreds of couples from unsatisfying sex lives and has helped women who are sexually shut down learn how to love themselves, their body, and reclaim their desire. Janae is a certified somatica sex and intimacy coach, sexological body worker, holistic pelvic care practitioner, tantra educator, and somatic experiencing trauma practitioner. She is on the faculty of 1440 Multiversity, Ecstatic Living Institute, and the Somatic Institute. And we are delighted to have you with us on the show today. Thank you, Tatiana. I am so excited to be here. Yeah. So um, we are going to take a break before we dive into this conversation so that we don't have to interrupt it. But I always love to hear what people's superpowers are before we go to that break. Will you share with our listeners what your superpowers are? I will. I absolutely love that. This is a question that you asked. Um, So I really thought about what my superpowers are. And I think my superpowers are two things and they're related to each other. One is to really fully give people, especially women, permission to be able to fully experience pleasure Mm -hmm. and to be able to fully express themselves, sorry, express themselves sexually and to help them normalize and minimize the shame, the massive shame that is associated with women being able to do those two things. Yeah, beautiful. It's so important. And thank you for having that superpower and for exercising it in your world So, and in ours. Um. Will you, before we go to break, um, will you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and the work that you offer? Absolutely. Um, You can go to my website, which is www.powerofpleasure.com, powerofpleasure.com, where you'll find information about all the services that I offer, um, where you can also purchase my book, which is on Amazon, and other ways in which you can get involved in my community. Beautiful. So you can go to powerofpleasure.com. We are talking with Janae Paylet today about reclaiming desire and healing our relationship to sex. Don't go anywhere. This is going to be a great conversation. So stay tuned. 
Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. Okay. So Janae, I think I would love to just start out by hearing a little bit of about your story. I mean, you're, it's quite a career shift to go from uh, a New York City healthcare lawyer to being someone who works um, as a sex and intimacy educator and coach. There's so much stigma around that. And you came from such a different world. So I think our listeners and I definitely would love to hear what that how that happened for you. Yeah, I mean, I would never have thought that this is what I would end up doing with my life and devote my life to this. Like it just wouldn't have ever crossed my mind because I had such a negative relationship and experience with sexuality from a very early age. Like the very first time I had sex, I was 16 years old, it hurt. And it just never stopped hurting. That was really my experience with sex. I had a lot, a lot of painful intercourse, um, which now I know is called vaginismus. And um, that just made me really hate sex. It was not something that I enjoyed doing. I didn't have any pleasure out of it. I knew it was something I was supposed to do because that's what you're supposed to do. But it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't really my cup of tea, let's say that. Um, and, you know, I entered into a marriage uh, and a relationship when I was all of 24 years old, having just graduated uh, mm-hmm. law school and um, really, really suffered with um, experiencing discomfort with sex and feeling very, very sexually shut down with my husband and unable, because I had so much shame and I felt that I was so broken, unable to even be able to have a conversation about it without it just going completely Mm. south. Mm. Um, So it was a very, very challenging time for me. And um, while I did get pregnant, so obviously we did have sex twice, I, we had sex more than twice, but I did have two two children. You know, by the time my second son was born and I was all of 28 years old, I was just like, I'm done with this. Like, this doesn't feel good. Um, we're constantly getting in fights around sex. Uh, I was getting all sorts of other issues, which not surprisingly, when your body starts shutting down around your sexuality, other things happen. A lot sure. of UTIs and other types of infections. Um, and it was completely traumatizing for me. And I just, you know, decided not, not that it was a conscious decision, Tatiana, but it happened over a period of time. Um, And honestly, before I knew it, you know, not only were we not having sex, we were not cuddling, we were Mm -hmm. not touching each other, there was no intimacy, we ended up sleeping in separate beds for over a decade. Um, And, you know, but I stayed in the marriage for the children, Mm -hmm. I think, 
um, for my own career. Uh, and because I just assumed I was broken and nobody else would have me, quite honestly. Um, and it wasn't until I hit my mid-40s when I started to have more of uh, an ability to be able to look at what was going on in my marriage, which was, you know, as a marriage was not very happy. We were a great parental unit, but horrible lovers. We weren't lovers um, and not that great friends either, quite frankly. Um, and begin to say like, okay, something, something has to change. I cannot live my life, the rest of my life like this. But I knew I had to address this issue of my sexuality because I, I, otherwise I didn't feel like I was a viable candidate, right? Like I felt so broken that nobody, no, no other partner would want me. Um, and so I began just to take a, a little bit of a dive into my sexuality um, and my first really experience with anything other than traditional, you know, PIV sex, uh, which I couldn't have, was Tantra because I met somebody who mm -hmm. I was dating who had some experience with it. Um, and we had a really, um, he was a hot mess, honestly. However, um, he introduced me to Tantra and it really just changed my night. It changed my life. In fact, the, the very first chapter of my book is about um, the night that my life changed. And, it, and it's really a recounting of my experience of receiving a, a goddess worship session by this man. And it just made me realize so many different things. It made me realize that sex can be something completely different than what I had experienced. Um, it made me realize because he was so wonderful, he never even took his pants off. So I knew that there was no pressure for me to give back. There was no pressure for me to try to have an orgasm, which I rarely had a hard time doing. So rarely had orgasms. Um, and it was just all about my pleasure. And I just never had that experience from a place of such open-heartedness before. Um, and it just really, really, that night shifted things for me. We also got involved in some of the energetics of Tantra. Um, and that was also very powerful. Just breathing took me out of my head where I was spinning about like, oh, this is going to hurt and what's going to happen next and into my body, which gave me a completely different experience because I was so disembodied, so disconnected from my body, uh, which is what happens when you're disconnected from your sexuality as well. And so that night was like the opening. It was the doorway into a huge transformation in my life. So I'm, I'm, I bet there are people listening to this right now who have had a similar experience um, with you called it vaginismus. I'm actually not familiar with that. And, and I can just feel like the, the desire to know more about that and, mm -hmm. and how you learned to live with that and deal with it and transform your relationship to having, you know, really painful vaginal intercourse to now being able to have, um, you know, a, a complete sexually expressive and pleasurable experience in your body with, with sex. I would, I think there are probably some people who would love to hear what that journey was like for you. Yeah. Well, let me just say uh, briefly, we'll talk a little bit about vaginismus. So vagin vaginismus is an involuntary contraction of the vaginal muscles during penetration. 
um, uh, because the vagina is a muscle, right? And when something is trying to enter it and the body starts getting uh, signals that it's going to be painful because it was painful once or it was painful in other times, um, the body just does what it can do to protect itself. And so it closes down. And so a lot of women will experience, I mean, there's other reasons why women can experience painful intercourse, lots of other women, lots of other reasons, especially during perimenopause and menopause. Um, but, you know, lots of women will tolerate painful sex because they think like this is just what we're supposed to tolerate because I think women have been socialized to tolerate pain. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and it's, it's completely irrational. Uh, and I tell every single woman, you never need to to tolerate pain, painful intercourse. Um, and there's lots of ways in which, you know, you can start to understand what's happening. This is mostly emotional and psychological. There are some conditions, you know, of like vulvodynia, which is more affecting the nerve endings in the vulva that can make sex painful as well, but vaginismus is almost always psychological and emotional. Um, and so ways in which you can start to work through that is first to understand what's going on underneath and why is the body in a protective me me space. A lot of women who have experienced trauma, sexual abuse, physical wounding uh, in their bodies um, will have this basically have this experience of the vagina just kind of shutting shutting down. So sometimes we just need to work on understanding and releasing some of that trauma. So as a sexological body worker and as a holistic pelvic care practitioner, we are really focused on helping the body release all of the ways in which it's holding tension, in which it's holding wounding in which it's holding trauma. And that's a really important piece of being able to start to open that up. In addition, a lot of what happens for women who experience painful sex as well, you know, including vaginismus, is that we're just not aroused enough. Like our bodies are not ready, is not sure. ready for penetration. Mm -hmm. um, and when we continue to have penetration when we're not aroused, after a while, the body just says, the heck with this, I'm not mm -hmm. going to do this anymore, and shuts down, right? It's just like a natural response that happens. Um, so sexual healing can take so many different forms. When I work with clients, there's a lot of layers around sexual healing. For, for me, it always starts with looking at are there emotional wounds? Is there trauma that we need to look at first to start to allow the client, usually a woman, to feel safe in the body. If you don't feel safe in your body and you're disconnected from your body, it's really hard to experience any type of pleasure, let alone any type of orgasmic bliss or orgasmic release. Um, so yeah. I was just going to ask, so what do you do if someone comes to you and they're, they don't feel safe in their body? What, what are some of the first steps you would take with someone? Yeah, so somebody who doesn't feel safe in, the, in their body, we have to establish what does feel safe for them. Um, and it could be a very, very slow process. If they're not feeling safe in their body, it might be huh, uh, once it's upon a time when I was doing more hands-on work, it's just like maybe putting them on a table and putting my hands under their shoulders 
or under their kidneys and just letting them start to come into connection with the body, right? Very, very slowly and start to unwind all of those places um, where it doesn't feel safe. But a lot of times it's like getting into like, why, why is it that you don't feel safe in your body? And it's, it's a lot of slow work in terms of moving through those pieces at times. I, you, you just said something that has come up for me too, as you know, someone who used to work hands on with people and doesn't anymore. You know, I feel like there are certain things like how do, how do we bring about safety from a distance? Especially now, you know, in the pandemic, we're not supposed to touch each other anyway. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, it, it's great. It's a great question. So, if you're not feeling safe in your in your body, it's usually because you've had a boundary violation, right, of some sort. Sure. Um, and um, or some kind of trauma. Or some kind of trauma, which is usually a, a boundary violation, right? It comes down to typically a boundary vi violation as a, as a as a starting place. Um, and so, part of the work that we do is helping establish boundaries. What distance feels safe for you? Even if I'm working with you over Zoom, which by the way, even before the pandemic, most of my clients were virtual. What distance feels safe for you? How do you know that this feels more comfortable for you? If I move a little bit closer to you, like I move my chair a little bit closer to you, start to notice what's happening in your body. So a lot of what we're doing is getting people to start to recognize, oh, okay, this is what it feels like in my body when I feel safe. I'm noticing. I'm breathing. I'm noticing that I'm not clenching my stomach or clenching my jaw, right? It's very like specific, starting to contact what feels safe in your body so that you can start to understand, oh, when I start to clench my jaws or my stomach starts, you know, scrunching up, it's like, okay, there's a problem here. I'm not feeling safe, right? So there's a lot of, you know, helping people to really get into their body in a very, um, measured approach, like a very titrated approach slowly, because, you know, the body needs to acclimate slowly to new sensations. A lot of people aren't aware of what's happening in their body. Yeah, well, it's hard for them. I think it's such an interesting conversation, especially in the context of a pandemic, because I've noticed this in myself, actually, when I first sort of came out of quarantine into deciding to pot up with another family. I had a very, you know, I've, I've never had an issue with my sexuality. Like I've been a very sexually expressive person. Um, and, and so for me, it was really interesting to notice all of a sudden going from, you know, not being around people at all to, um, encountering other humans for the first time and then deciding to hug or touch someone after it had been very clearly like determined in my life like that was not okay and i know like we're you know the, we've come into this conversation from a place of sexuality but i think that probably a lot of people are experiencing this not feeling safe in their bodies right now because of the pandemic, because there's so much fear around being able to be in relation with another human body right now. 
I mean, it's it's palpable. And I, so I, for me, I was like shocked to discover all of this tension and constriction in my body when it was like, oh my God, is this okay? Is this safe? Is this okay to be in relationship with it, with another person like this? Is it okay to be this close? You know, and I've heard a lot of people sort of give voice to like, it almost feels like sex, you know, like, like the, mm-hmm. the, you know, can we hug each other? Can we, you know, how close, yeah. be closer than six feet? Um so anyway, I just I I think there's there's a lot there's a lot there and I wouldn't be surprised if if a lot of people's sexuality are being impacted um actually by the pandemic because there because there is this confusion now around around what is safe and what isn't. Like no, it's I mean, taking on a whole new meaning, right? It totally it totally is. I mean, I I I I moved from California to Asheville in December and I met somebody right before we went in, into um shutdown. And we're, you know, we're partners now, but I mean, navigating those first couple of months of like, at what point can we be in contact with each other? When can we actually be in the same room? Like, how do we decide if we can have sex? And we actually had, we actually had sex without kissing, which really doesn't make any sense, but it made me feel safer. You know, like for a couple of weeks. So these are crazy times and we're all trying to figure out how do we navigate this? What are the conversations that we have to have? They're important conversations. You know, in the in the poly world of which I have my toe dipped into, I guess I would consider myself monogamish. Um, <laughs> there's <laughs> monogamish. There's always been conversations, consent conversations, you know, safety conversations, when did you get last tested, etc. Well, these are the type of conversations around COVID that we all need to start having, except, you know, even if you're in a partnership with somebody and you've been together for a long time, what happens if they go out of town or, you know, their work requires them to be in customers' homes, which happens, right? Not everybody can just work virtually from home. And we're constantly having to navigate this. And I think you're right. The issue of like, what, what does it feel like to be around human beings? Again, what would, what would it ever feel like? I'm, I'm a theater lover. I used to produce theater on Broadway. Yeah, I used um, to be on the stage too. Right? What, what can you imagine? What would it be like to be sitting in a theater with, you know, a thousand people? I can't even conceive of that right now, of, of feeling like I wouldn't just want to like, get right. I like, I wouldn't even want to go be close to something like that. Right. So we are all as a nation until we really feel, you know, some level of safety because something has happened, whether it's a vaccine or I don't know. Um, it, it, it is, it, there's going to be, I think at a very, very large level, a lot of PTSD around starting to get re- reconnect with each other. Yeah. So, saying that. So I, I feel like, the um the expertise that people like yourself have in in guiding people into engagement re-engagement with their sexuality and discovering pleasure is actually is and is going to continue to be so incredibly relevant Mm -hmm. in this time because it's it's no longer just about sex it's about how do we connect with other humans again right Right. right. Like how how do we do this human thing? So so if if we're gonna look at it in that context, like like how let's look at this step. So you bring someone into 
into feeling safe in their body? And then what's, what's the next step? Well, I mean, after they start to feel safe in their body, um, then we can start to help them experience what does pleasure actually feel like in your body, right? So a lot of this is being able to start to like, what does your body want? What is it like? What type of touch do you like? If you're a woman who's been really sexually shut down and disconnected from your arousal and from your pleasure, what does pleasure actually feel like? Do you like to be, do you like touch? And I'm talking about self-touch, right? We, we eventually, I always, if they're in partnership, end up bringing a partner in, but usually not in the beginning, sometimes, but not in the beginning. Um, so what type of touch feels good for you? I spend a lot of time helping people. And I, it's interesting, like, while I'm a Tantra educator, um, and I teach Tantra workshops, etc. You know, I use principles of Tantra without necessarily telling people that they're Tantra in all of my work, because there are really great principles of how do you get into your body? How do you start to connect with your sexual energy? What does that even feel like? Well, right? yeah, and then, Tantra at its, at its core, actually, I mean, there are, there are sexual elements to it because we are in bodies, but I mean, it's, it was really a practice for the lay person who couldn't afford to just go up into the mountains and become a monk to be able to, to become enlightened through the experience of being in, in a body through, for, through sensual right. experience, right? So it's not, it's not just about sex. I mean, we've, we've put it in a sex box in this culture, but right. it's so much larger than that. Oh, much, 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 much larger. But some of those principles of using breath and sound and movement in order to be able to move energy, in order to be able to find the places where our energy and our body is trapped is really, really powerful for breaking open those blocks that we're having around our desire. And I would yeah. say also that, you know, I spend a lot of time with women. In fact, I'm teaching, teaching a class on it tonight um, with couples um, about what your core desires are. Like what, what are your core desires? And core desires are really the emotions that you want out of sex, not the actions that you want, but the emotions that you want out of sex. And they're layered and they're usually related, almost always related to what some of our core childhood wounds were. And um, once you start to understand, so for example, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's say that, um, I'll take me an example. As a child, I had to be very independent. I had to take care of my own needs, right? I had a mother that was not very um, emotionally supportive. And um, when, it, when it comes to, but when it comes to my sexual preferences, right? I want the opposite of that. I want to not have to be in control. I want to be in a much more submissive place. That's a huge turn on for me, not having to do everything because I'm always doing everything for everybody. Anyway, so if I was with a partner who when we had sex wanted to make sweet, beautiful love to me all the time, it would be nice, Tatiana, but I don't think it would really get to my juices, right? Like, oh, this is really what I want. But being with a partner who, who I'm able to share, you know, I, I really like being tied up and I like being dominated. And maybe I even, you know, like 
to, you know, to be flogged a little bit, right? A place in which I can really be submissive and I can get that need met. That's a huge turn on for me. That's what, that's where you start to figure out, oh, that's why I don't have any sexual desire because I'm not actually getting the need met that I want to have met, this very, very, very deep need that usually and often is a way to heal the wound in which we have, the childhood wound we have, or it's sometimes a way to replay that wound from an empowered space, Mm -hmm. agency, right? And that really goes to our very, very deep desire. So in looking at reclaiming your desires, I spend a lot of time helping women and couples figure out what is that? What does that look like? Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, how did you go from sex is painful and like not an okay thing to do (laughs) to I want to be tied up and... Like, like how how did you I know, right? It seems how did you discover that from there? Right. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you asked that question because it didn't happen overnight and it was a journey, you know. Sex is I feel like we're always on a journey and mm-hmm. in our sexuality, we're often always on a journey as well. Um, it took, I mean, the getting to just enjoying sex. A lot of that happened through my tantra work, quite frankly, and sexological body work, literally having hands-on work where I got to experience feeling my vagina start to open up and not be contracted and feeling having orgasms and pleasure, right? I start to, I I, I recognize like, oh, wow, I'm not broken. Wow, look at this. Mm -hmm. Things are working, right? So so there was a level of safety and confidence. Um, And then I think it's, I'm a very inquisitive person. Um, I think I've always had these fantasies. I mean, I used to, I like, I loved the Vampire Chronicles, the Anne Rice books. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? Like when I was totally sexually shut down, which I was for most of my marriage, I was reading all of these Anne Rice books. Uh um, And I realized like, what, what was my turn on the way, you know, the vampire bit their neck, right? Bit her neck or whatever. So I already kind of knew, and this is where core desires are really interesting. You may have inklings from other ways in which you interact with other types of media, such as film, movies, and books, um, that, oh, this might be, this is kind of a turn on for me. Maybe this is something I want to explore. And, you know, I had a partner who I felt really safe with several years ago where we did start to explore it a little bit, not as much as I'm doing now. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this. And at the same time, I was going through my somatica training where we learned about core desires and we started exploring it. So it also became part of my lexicon, like what, what does Janae really want out of sex, right? Because I knew what I was ha- getting, had been getting, wasn't exactly what I wanted. Um, so it was. So it, it is. It is a layered process. It is a layered process of discovery, and creating for me as a, a coach and a teacher, creating the safety for people to be able to go into this process and not feel like they're being judged or shamed for what their desires are. Yeah, let's talk about shame for a minute because that I mean is so thick. You mentioned it at the beginning. Um, there's so much cultural shame around our sexuality. Um, how do you how do you help people to dismantle some of that? 
Yeah, in, in my book, I call I have a chapter called uh, the na- uh, the nastiest five letter word in the universe, and that's shame, right? Um, so, how do we dismantle shame? Well, we dismantle shame by nor- the the first way we do it is by normalizing it, right? By letting people just by talking about it, and by letting them, and really like even talking about it in a group is one of the most powerful ways to do it. Talking about it with your partner. Often, I'll have couples do what I call like a shameathon, where they both share their shame stories. It's not necessarily sexual shame; it could be any type of shame. And the more that you start talking about it and you hear about it from other people, the more you're like, oh, okay, other people feel this. This has happened to somebody else. Somebody else let their, you know, cat or dog, you know, lick them. Okay, that was my, you know, that was my huge shame story that made sex and oral sex incredibly anxiety provoking for me because at a very young age, I was always afraid. I started coupling shame, which is what we do, with pleasure. Yes, I was having pleasure because I was eight years old and my dog was licking me, but I was anxious because I knew, I somehow knew it was wrong and my mom might walk in. And so I had all of the shame associated with, right? Um, And so we start, first of all, uncoupling, if that's an issue, uncoupling the shame from something else. So we take that shame and we put it aside, literally in a box, figuratively, and we just help normalize it, you know, just by me being me and saying like, wow, you know, I, I have so many other clients have told me things just like you have, you know, and anything, you know, there's nothing you can tell me that I haven't heard before or that I'm going to judge you for. Um, and that starts to help you begin to, the, the amount of shame to start to diminish, to start to know that it's actually normal. And maybe you can even lean into it. I'll give you an example. This is with a man that I worked with. Um, he had a, a fetish for wearing women's underwear. It ended up really breaking up his marriage. Um, and But in the work that we did, I normalized it. I allowed him to do it. I celebrated his fetish, right? Um, and he ended up remarrying a woman who's totally into this, loves it. So, you know, the more that we can just normalize it and realize everybody has shame, this is a universal experience, but it's, it's so insidious that we can't even, we have shame even talking about our shame. Mm-hmm. That just starts to dissipate it. It, it takes the energy out of it, yeah. deflates it. Yeah. Well, that's part of why this show exists is because I think we have, we have way too much shame around our sexuality and totally. you know, culturally we need to heal our relationship to shame. This is, and of course it happens by individuals doing it first. Um, and, and I think it's, it's so lovely and so important to really remove, I mean, really it's removing the judgment, mm-hmm. right? Um, because it, there's, it's, it's all it's all tied up in there. We have a lot of judgments around what is and isn't okay right. sexually and otherwise, but especially sexually, you know. I'm sure there are people who would hear that about the underwear and be like, wow, that's like kind of weird. And like so what? Like there are there are people who who do things that are different than the way you would do them and that doesn't make it wrong. It just makes it their thing. And I think it's like we get way too caught up in needing people to do things the way that we do them um, 
or in thinking that just because someone does something different than we do it, that they need us to do it differently too. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot in, in, in what I've explored and, and studied here tied up with that, with, with shame. It's like how it's not just, um, you know, feeling bad about something. It's like the layers of judgment and how we, how we hold each other, um, accountable and hold ourselves accountable to what someone else may or may not be thinking. I mean, it's like, really, there's a lot, there's a lot in there. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the other piece of it is like, I, I talk about having a sexual blueprint, which are the messages that we received um, around sexuality. Uh, and we look at that, we look at all of those messages, what how did our parents model sex? Mm-hmm. How did you know, what did we get from culture? What did we get from religion, etc. And then being able to like step back and say to somebody, so realizing this isn't even your belief system. Not right. your belief system. It was your mother's belief system that you got from her mother, right? So being able to see, like, oh wait a second, like, is this what I really believe, or I have just been, you know, socialized to mm-hmm. believe this? Also gives a lot more freedom of thought and a release from those constraints. Yeah, yeah. So, kind of in in line with that, I'm so curious how. Um, how your transition from your work as an attorney into this work, like, do you still have relationships that you had in in that other life? Or did you have to like completely transform all of your, um, your personal relationships? Like, did, were there any that you were able to carry over? What, what, what was that like for you in making such a dramatic shift? Yeah, well, um, I, it was, it was a lot of my, I moved from, it it happened when I moved from New York to California. (laughs) Oh, California. California. Let everything out of the bag. (laughs) So my New York friends just thought I was, I, most of my New York friends thought I was just, I had lost it. Some of them were jealous. They're like, wow, you're doing that. You know, at that point I wasn't like moving to California to be a sex coach. I was just leaving my marriage and moving to California. Um, And but, you know, it's interesting that you asked that question because um, we were watching some home videos that of, you know, us as a family. My kids were here the other weekend. And I looked at me, the person in my 40s, I think it was maybe late 40s, early 40s. And I just was like, I don't even recognize her. Mm-hmm. It was the strangest thing. The transformation has been so um in it's it's been so complete in yeah. many in many ways right um and uh and it was part of my own you know it's really where does it stem from it stems from my own personal development and growth of like wait you know is this what i was put on the planet to to do to be a healthcare lawyer to help pharmaceutical companies no wait i think there's something else here i think that i was put on this planet because of all of the pain that I suffered, like this is my this is my gift to the world is to be able to say, you know, I suffered this. You don't have to, and mm-hmm. I'm going to show you how you don't have to. But the transformation. I mean, I even I told you this that when we were off air. Like I changed my name as well, yeah. um, and changed the spelling of it, and changed you know my whole persona changed as I became comfortable in my skin for the first time ever in my life. 
in my 50s, <laughs> right? That's a long time not to be comfortable in your skin. Not to say that I wasn't successful. I was super successful, but I wasn't comfortable in my skin. I wasn't comfortable in my body. Yeah, I there's didn't a difference have, there. Yeah. I, like I how do we have, measure success, right? Exactly, exactly. How do we measure success? Um, and so, you know, it was, um, it, it, it somewhat happened gradually. It wasn't like a hundred percent change, but it happened, you know, over maybe a year or two period of time that I just, you know, stopped doing what I was doing and, uh, got really interested in Tantra. And that was my doorway. That was my first doorway into the world of sexuality. And then I was just like, you know, I'm a student, I'm a lawyer, I'm a student, I want to understand it all. You know, that side of my brain is like, wait a second, I don't know this, I don't understand this, I got to figure that out. That's how I am very analytical, <laughs> right? which keeps you in, out of your body and into your head. So I, so I was just like, got more and more and more curious about um, all of the all of the different aspects of sexuality, the anatomy, the psychology, like all of these different pieces, I really wanted to have like the whole tool, like the whole big huge tool case um, to understand all of the different aspects. So it was, you know, it was really it was really interesting to to my kids' credit. They were very very supportive. I was very just going to ask how how are your kids with all yeah. of this. My kids are great. They really are. Um, they're, they were very, very supportive of my transition. They could see just as a person how happy I was becoming, yeah. um, just getting out of the marriage. And, um, and they're, you know, I think they're, they were adults. I mean, they were in college when we, we divorced. Um, but, you know, they've just been really, they've been, they're, they're great kids and they've been really great about it. And, you know, they're very, they seem very proud of me. Um, so, yeah, they've been, it, it's been wonderful to have, awesome. have their support. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And I, I think that's actually a true testament to, to probably your parenting also, if you, you're able to, to raise children who can, who can just be so accepting like that. I think also, you know, when, when we see someone that we love and care about so much really come into themselves, it's hard to question that, you know, it's hard to judge it. It's hard to say like, well, well this must be a bad thing because clearly you're radiating how amazing it's been for you. So, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely see that. Yeah. Well, Janae, I, I really enjoyed this conversation today. We're coming towards the end of our time and I'm just curious if there's anything that you want to make sure that our listeners hear that we maybe didn't touch on today yet. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess my, the, the message maybe that I, I would just, I want to leave with people is um, to trust yourself and trust your body. I think that's really important. I think a lot of times we don't trust our body yeah, and we don't listen to our body and we allow our partners to um, take over our pleasure when we really don't even know what we want. And I really want women to feel empowered around their own body and around their pleasure and to trust that if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. <laughs> no matter what the books tell you or your partner is asking, right? To be able to really be honest and authentic about 
you know, what's right for you right now and understand also that that is going to shift and change. Mm -hmm. Nothing in life is static and your sexuality is not static either. And it's going to shift. You know, I went through periods of, you know, a year of celibacy between partnerships uh, after a bad breakup. And, you know, I was just like, that's just the way it's going to be. I have no desire. And I didn't beat myself up. And I don't want you guys to do that either. Just know that things will shift and change. Yeah. I mean, I think especially as women, like our bodies change, our bodies are designed to change. We have, we, we expand enough to push humans out, you know, like the, yeah. our bodies change. And so, and so does our desire yeah. with that and, and our experience of pleasure. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the show and be with us like this. It's been really wonderful. Thanks, Tatiana. It was a great, great conversation. I totally love chatting with you. Yeah, likewise. And to our listeners, thank you so much for continuing to tune in. If you haven't yet gone and checked out all the ways to play with us over at superpowerexperts.com, please do so. There's some really fun offerings that we've got over there for you. So go and dive in, check it out. If you don't yet have the app, go to the app store, get the Superpower Net app because you can listen to all of your favorite shows right there at your fingertips. Um, stream just the show you want to hear from us on the Superpower Up Network. It's a great way to do it. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many, many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.